Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Scroll. Think about that. Man, and we're going to see Jesus face to face. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Looking forward to seeing loved ones who have gone on before. Be reunited with them once again. Man, it's good to be in God's house, amen? In the midst of summer, in the midst of vacations and everything, it's good to take time out to uh, worship the Lord. And uh, appropriately enough, I mean, we didn't talk about the music, you know, when the message was planned. In fact, the music was already laid out. I didn't know what the schedule was, but we sang about, you know, the battle belonging to the Lord and the fact that God is still good and... That last song, It Is Well With My Soul, and a lot of things and a lot of themes that you're going to hear today as we look at God's Word. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Psalm 150, Psalm 150, the very last psalm in the precious Word of God. Man, we're going to take a look at something this morning. You like that? Michaela helped me with the title slide. <laughs> Michaela's morning, yeah. Where, why, how, and who. Kind of an interesting little title that hopefully will make sense here in just a minute. As we get into God's word, it is good to be joined together, man. Pray for our friends and our church family that are away on vacation, those that are dealing with sicknesses and those that have had surgeries and whatnot as they, as they recover and they come back. Look with me in Psalm 150. Read six short verses, see what God has for us this morning. Verse number one, the Bible says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Uh-oh. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. I know y'all got nervous when it said dance. We'll talk about it. Everybody got nervous except for one. All right, uh, everybody, Linda's like, let's go. All right, so look here, look at verse number five. The Bible says, praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. And then look at verse number six. Let everything, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you. God, we thank you for the time that we've been able to sing songs of praise and worship unto you. God, as we consider what you have for us in your word, how timely of a message, what a reminder you have for us this morning. God, I pray that you will show yourself strong. Lord, I pray that I'll step back and you'll step forward in the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. God, that they'll be exceedingly pleasing to you. God, because you are my strength, you're my redeemer. So God, I pray that you have your will and your way Lord, I pray that if there's somebody who's been struggling with this area in their life, not understanding the idea of praising you, God, that you would open up the eyes of their understanding. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching online, 
that has yet to enter into the most intimate of all relationships, an intimate relationship with you through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that today, God, that you'll do that, that you'll draw, that your word will go forth and that it'll accomplish exactly what you desire. We know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, God, I pray that not only will believers be drawn back to you, but God, that folks might be saved today. Lord, I love you. I thank you for this passage of scripture. I thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing this morning. God, I thank you for the time that you give us to get together. Lord, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified through it all. For it's in the precious name of Jesus that we do pray. And for his sake, amen and amen. Well, if you look at the psalm again, in fact, do me a favor. Before we get into Psalm 150, just flip back a page and you'll notice the beginning in Psalm 146, 147, 148, and 149 and 150. Each of these psalms begin with the same three words. What are they? Praise ye the Lord. Yes. Well, that's four words, isn't it? Praise the Lord. I know Michaela will straighten me out later. I said three words and then uttered four, okay. Each one, though, if you look at those psalms from 146 all the way to 150, each of them, they actually build with intensity as they go. And the psalmist, for the psalmist, the idea of praising the Lord is not some cliche. You know, it's like some people say, well, let's praise the Lord, like some cliche. No, it's a euphoric expression of how he felt. He wanted to offer the Lord some praise, and he was filled with overwhelming joy. And so he wanted to give God some glory. In fact, if you notice in Psalm 150, our six short verses of text, we read and hear the phrase, praise him or praise the Lord, 13 times. It's a good number when your favorite number is 13. That's a different story for a different time. Every verse, though, look at this. Every verse points us to a Hebrew verb which literally means to praise. And so when the psalmist is pointing us or considering it, it's like, who is it that we're to praise? He's pointing us to the only one that we're to praise, and that is our God, Yahweh, right? We're supposed to praise him. In fact, we get the English word. In fact, maybe anybody ever heard the word hallelujah? It's okay to say hallelujah. Like hallelujah. You know, you can say it and get all, all excited when you say hallelujah. Like some people say, hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord, if we want to be proper. Now, if you just want to be down out in the country, battlefield, Baptist church, be like, hallelujah. You know, you get fired up when you talk about praising the Lord. Listen, as we work our way through this passage, if you notice with me, the psalmist, it's as if he cannot wait to say, hallelujah, or praise the Lord, over and over and over again. What about us? By the way, before we delve into the where, why, how, and who of the text, it's important to note that the English word praise, the, the Hebrew word is translated into this English word praise. It literally comes from a Latin word, which means to value or prize. We value and prize a lot of different things. I thought about showing you some pictures of some of the things that I value or I prize. Like some of you know, I have a, a love affair with my new little puppy, Colonel. I value that little puppy, but he is nothing compared to the king of kings. I value and I prize my wife who has been faithful to me for over 31 years, who has loved me, who has supported me, who has encouraged me when other people wouldn't. But you know what? This might shock her. 
But compared to Jesus, there is no comparison. Oh, listen, this is what the psalmist is talking about. So when we praise God, when we, when we offer this idea of praise, we're expressing not only our approval, but we're expressing our joy, our exceeding gladness in someone, something who we value and highly prize. Someone that we prize. Somebody who is of, of great worth or merit. A moment ago, I shared with you how the Hebrew verb means this idea of to praise, but it's beautiful to note this, that this particular verb in Hebrew actually comes from a root word, which means this, to shine. You know when you praise God, you're actually shining? You say, well, I don't feel like praising God today. Not a choice. In fact, we were talking about this sometimes the other day. Michaela and I were talking about this. Sometimes we don't really feel like praising. We don't feel like singing. We don't feel like celebrating. And yet, this word praise, this word comes from the Hebrew root word, which literally means to shine, hence to make a show. You want to make a show about something, we ought to make a show or boast about our great God, to rave or to celebrate. So in other words, when we praise the Lord, it's this idea of prizing Him, to shine for Him, to boast or rave about Him, because He's the only one worthy of our praise. And yet many times we find ourselves sulking or complaining about things that have no eternal value whatsoever. Listen, I'll be honest with you. A lot of us complain and sulk over sports. Oh, it got real quiet. Nobody wants to talk about the commanders. I'm still sulking. Y'all pray for me. At least I'm not an Eagles or Cowboy fan. I see you, Brian, back there. I see you, the whole family, Steelers and Cowboys, whatever. <laughs> we just pray for them. <laughs> the reality, though, is, listen... Instead of sulking or complaining about our circumstance, we ought to be praising the one who has given us the very breath of life. It's interesting that it's pretty quiet already when we're talking about praise. I didn't think that would be the case. Instead of praising God, here's what we do. We tend to let ourselves get caught up in criticizing him for this, that, and the other. A lot of times we blame God for the things that happen in our lives. But you know, many times I've said it over and over. We make choices and choices make us. That's the reality of life. Listen, I've made some good choices in my life. I've made some bad choices in my life. And when I made those bad choices, they made me. And when I made good choices, God protected me. And God brought me through. Oh, listen, I think about this idea of sulking and complaining and whatnot. And I was thinking the other day, I was thinking about Paul and Silas. And I don't know if you know this story, but Paul and Silas, they're on a, a missionary journey and they're in Philippi and they actually get thrown in jail for teaching and talking about Jesus. And, and uh, they actually, uh, a demon-possessed woman comes and the demon comes out and the, and the guys who were making money off of her, they get upset. So they run and get the the, the, the police, uh, so to speak, and they, they beat them and they throw them into prison. And you would think that they could get pretty upset about the situation, thinking, hey, man, God, I'm out here. I'm trying to do what you asked me to do. I, I, I thought I was going this way. You said, no, go this way. And so I went and I did it. I talked to Lydia, the woman, color of purple, and I'm doing what you want me to do. And now, God, here I find myself in prison. It's not fair, God. 
And yet in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 25, the Bible tells us this. At midnight, Paul and Silas, notice what they did. They prayed, and then guess what they did? They started singing praises to God. They started singing and praising. Listen, despite your current circumstance, despite my current circumstance, I'd love to shed this boot. Lisa, would you love to shed that cast and get off and start running now? Maybe not, maybe not, right? I'd love to get rid of this, but the reality is, no matter what is going on in our life, we ought to praise the Lord. In fact, my mother-in-law preached a good message last night. She shared one verse, and that was 1 Thessalonians 5.18. She said, in everything give thanks. I was like, oh, that'll preach. Oh, listen, I believe it's a reminder from God's word in our text all about praising. And so verse number one, look at verse number one. It begins by telling us where, where we should praise the Lord. Look at verse one. It says, praise you the Lord, speaking of Yahweh or the self-existent or eternal one, Jehovah God. And then it says, praise God. This is a reference to the Hebrew name of God, El or Elohim. Right, And it shifts our focus. When we think about Elohim, it shifts our focus to his mighty strength. But notice in verse 1, where are we to praise? Where are we to worship? Look, it says, in his sanctuary. And then also praise him in the firmament of his power. And so when we look at this phrase, in his sanctuary, it's a reference, obviously, Old Testament time. It's a reference to the temple where God used to dwell. But I got some good news for you. Since Jesus came into the world, since he died on that cross and rose again, he doesn't dwell in some temple made with hands. He dwells in our heart. That's the beautiful thing. Listen, he dwells in our heart. He, our great God lives within us. And listen, he's choosing. He's choosing to live within us instead of some temple or some house made with hands. I think about Paul, he's preaching his message over on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. He reminds us that God is not dwelling in some temple made with hands. I think about what Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice what he says in verse number 19. He says, what? Know you not that your body, watch it, is the temple. There it is. The temple of God is us. He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, which is in you. Watch, it says, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The psalmist goes on. Look at verse number one again. He calls, calls us to praise in the firmament of his power. So in other words, when we think about the firmament, we're thinking about the heavens all around us. We're thinking about the sun, the moon, the stars, the air, the atmosphere, everything and so guess where we ought to praise God? Oh, listen, we ought to praise Him everywhere. Genesis chapter 1. The Bible reminds us in verse 14, it says, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And notice, and so it was. Psalm 19.12 says that the heavens declare... They declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Man, not only are the things of heaven, not only are the things of the atmosphere to praise God, but all those who enjoy the benefits. Are you enjoying the benefits of God's sustaining power? Whether you know it or not, you are. All you have to do is put your hand in front of your face and feel that breath come out of your mouth. Isn't it amazing we talked a little bit about this Wednesday night in that video. Isn't it amazing that God holds all things together? By him, all things consist. Do you know, I was thinking about this. I was 
watching the video in preparation for this coming Wednesday, yesterday, and, and I was one of the things that was said in the video caught me by surprise. It's like, think about this. When we lay down to sleep, watch this. When we lay down to sleep, unconsciously, our body continues to do what it needs to do over and over and over again until we wake up our little sleepy eyes, right? What an amazing God we serve. The heavens declare the glory of God. Oh, listen, in verse 1, it's telling us that whether it be in heaven, whether it be in our heart, whether it be anywhere, everywhere that we're at, we ought to be praising God. Verse 2 points the reason why. Look at verse number 2. It says, praise him for his mighty acts and praise him according to his excellent greatness. So two reasons. Number one, we praise him because of what he does. Listen, the phrase his mighty acts points to this idea that our God is a champion who has won a great victory. His mighty acts speak of his omnipotent power. That means that he's all-powerful. It speaks of his omnipotent power displayed in the creation of all things, his sustaining strength in all beings, his redemption of believers, his wonderful works on the earth, his mercy and grace that has been extended to you and me, guess what, every day. If that was all that I shared with you, this church ought to get a little more excited than I feel like we are this morning. Maybe you're here watching and Maybe you have recently experienced a mighty act of God's power as creator or redeemer in your life. Maybe you've experienced a restored relationship. Maybe you had a problem with relationship. Maybe you've recently experienced victory over sin or renewed health or, or an answer to a specific prayer request. I don't know what's going on, but the reality is no matter where we find ourselves, maybe you're still waiting on God to answer. Maybe you say, I've been praying and I haven't heard God answer. I'm asking God to do something in my life and he hasn't done it yet. Man, just keep on praying. Just keep on living for Jesus. And I got news for you. He's going to open up the door of understanding, your eyes of understanding. He's going to open up a door and make a way where you don't even believe there's a way. And guess what? When he does it, man, you ought to be praising him. You say, do you believe that? Yes. I believe it because he's made a way for me many times when I tried to mess it up. Anybody ever tried to mess it up? Just be honest. It's funny. When Travis preaches, everybody gets honest. When I preach, nobody wants to be honest. I'm like laid up with my foot and Travis is asking people who've been shoplifting. I'm like, everybody in the church is shoplifting. Yeah, y'all didn't think I was watching, did you? I'm like, this player's up here pointing out everybody, telling about all the things they stole. And I'm like, what is going on in God's house? I'm like, oh, William, let's get back to God's word. Right? Man, I ask a question. But like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Travis says, anybody ever shoplifted? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a shoplifter for Jesus. Yeah, right. No, I know. <laughs> uh, guys. We ought to praise God. Especially all you shoplifters, you ought to be praising God. I think I'm stuck on shoplifters today, Travis. <laughs> praise Him, praise God. We ought to praise Him for what He has done. But look, secondly, look at verse number two. We ought to praise Him. For who he is, according to his, the Bible says, according to his excellent greatness. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have to do a thing, and we still ought to praise him. If he did nothing, if he did not provide anything except for 
life itself, you ought to be praising him. You'd be like, what are we doing here? It doesn't matter. You ought to be praising him. Charles Spurgeon once said, there is nothing little about God and there is nothing great apart from him. That's good. There's nothing little about our God and there's nothing great apart from him. He was right and we ought to praise him according to his excellent greatness. Psalm 145 and verse number 3, the Bible says, Great is the Lord and greatly to, be pra- uh, greatly to be praised and his greatness, watch it, is unsearchable. In other words, it's beyond my ability. It's beyond your ability to even figure out how great he is. That's crazy. That's mind-boggling. That's the greatness of our God. We ought to praise him. Psalm 147 and verse number 5, the Bible says, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding, watch this, not only is he great in unsearchable riches, but it says his understanding is infinite. That means his understanding has no limit. There's not a problem. There's not a question that you might have. There's not anything that you're dealing with that he cannot solve. Man, I might get fired up today. When we praise God for who he is, We're recognizing his excellent greatness. Or as the Hebrew puts it, we're recognizing him and praising him for his abundant, his magnitude, his abundant magnitude. Every day we should be praising him for what he has done and who he is. By the way, I'm not sure if we know this or not, but praise is a key weapon in our spiritual warfare. See, we don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not out, listen, if you're out there uh, hate-mongering on somebody, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. We're not out there fighting flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Listen, I tell people, don't attack the person, attack the problem. What's the problem in the relationship? That's a different message, too. Psalm 149, notice what it says, though. Here, talking about this spiritual warfare, it says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and watch this, and a two-edged sword in their hand. This is crazy. It's linking this idea of praise and war, almost a sword, and praise together. What's the concept here? I believe it's linking the fact that praise is a part of our spiritual warfare package. In fact, Warren Wearsby, longtime theologian and pastor, he alluded to the problem with this question. He said this, he said, I've read books and sermons on the subject of worship, and I have yet to find a major work that says anything about worship as spiritual warfare. Do you know that through the years I've sung songs like Sound the Battle Cry, Onward Christian Soldiers, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, You Soldiers of the Cross, and we sing songs like that down through the years. You know I have never been taught, never been instructed about connecting the dots between the praise of God and our spiritual warfare package. But I can tell you, here's a good one, as we sang Battle Belongs, I can tell you that when you and I, when we neglect the weapons of our spiritual warfare package, we become ineffective on the battlefield. You you drive out this driveway, you're ineffective unless you're connecting those dots of spiritual warfare, the idea of praise, using that as a weapon that you can use to go to battle each and every day. By the way, Israel experienced this in the Old Testament. When they praised God, they seemed to have victory. And when they didn't praise God, they seemed to fall in defeat. You remember, it's been said that when the praises go up, the power comes down. 
Turn with me to 2 Chronicles. What a beautiful illustration of what I'm talking about in 2 Chronicles. In my Bible, you'll find it on page 323. <laughs> Turn to 2 Chronicles. I want you to see this. This is an amazing, amazing little illustration of, of why we should praise and the idea of it being a key weapon in our package. Notice, it's a great example. Are you there? Chapter 20. So as you're turning, you get to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The reality is that it's, there's a huge army of Moabites and Ammonites. They've come against Judah and King Jehoshaphat, right? Uh, the northern kingdom, they're embroiled in this battle. They're in the, the, the kingdoms have been separated at this point. You've got the northern kingdom. They're battling the Arameans. And, and so uh, um, the Ammonites and the Moabites, they think that Judah is weak. And, and to be honest, they were at this point, even though Jehoshaphat was a good king. And so what they do is they decide they're going to come against Judah at this time. And they figure, man, everybody's uh, attention is divided. We're going to come on them. And uh, Jehoshaphat's immediate response, look at verse number 3. When he, when he hears that they're going to come and attack them, notice what Jehoshaphat does. Verse 3, it says that he feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. And notice he proclaims a fast throughout Judah. He begins to pray, drop down to verse number 12, because when you get to verse number 12, here's what he prays. He says, oh, our God, would thou not judge them? He's like, God, why don't you do something about this? They're coming against us. We're going to be destroyed. He says, will you not judge them? He says, for we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do. But watch what he says. But our eyes, he says, our eyes are upon thee. What a prayer. He's saying, Lord, we, we, we can't even compare to this army. We don't know what to do. But here's what I know that we can do, God. We're just going to keep our eyes on you. Do you know, I believe with all of my heart that you and I many times are fighting battles we have no business fighting because we don't keep our eyes on Jesus. We think, man, I'm going to take care of this one. Hey, Jesus, you know what? I got the wheel. You just take in the back seat, cruise a little while. And when we do that, guess what happens? We crash and burn. This was his prayer. By the time you drop down to verse number 16, all the way down to verse number 16 and 17, the Bible tells us that they're actually told where their enemies will be, and so they know where to march out to. And then when you get to verse number 17, notice what God's word tells them. And here's what it says. It says, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Jehaziel tells them, he says, you're not even going to need to fight in this battle. He says, set yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, again, many times we fight battles and what we really need to do is just stop, zip it, and seek the Lord. And just trust that God's going to take care of the battle. We sang a song, the battle belongs to the Lord today. I think, I'll be honest with you. I have fought so many battles. I have waged war. Any, come on, dads. Anybody waged war? Moms, I've waged wars over stuff that don't even mount to a hill of beans. Instead of just sitting still and saying, God, I'm just going to keep my eyes on you. I don't know what to do. I'm not equipped to deal with this problem. I'm not, I'm not ready for battle, God. But I know that you're always ready. And so, God, I'm going to keep, keep my eyes on you. I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep living for you. I'm going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep praising you, God. And I'm going to see what you do in this situation. Many times I think we don't do that. Look at verse number 18. Jehoshaphat and all of Judah. Here's what happens in verse number 18. It says they fall down. 
says they fall down and worship. And then in verse number 19, the Levites, they stand up and they start praising the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And then when you get to verse number 20, Jehoshaphat says, hey, listen, he says, here's the key, guys, to success. He says, just believe God and believe the prophet. Believe God and believe his prophet. Uh, Do you think we ought to get ready for battle? No, just believe God. Here's what he says. Look at verse 20, 21. They start marching to war. Remember, they've been told where to find their enemy. They start marching to war. And and then in verse 21, notice uh, Jehoshaphat, he appoints singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Verse number 22, watch it. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, or, or praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. So in other words, when the children of Judah, they start praising the Lord, right? They're on, they're marching, you know, oh, we, oh, 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 we, oh. They're on the way to battle, and as soon as they start praising God, all three of them start fighting one another until all of them are dead. Judah gets to the battlefield. Here's the rest of the story. Judah gets to the battlefield. Jehoshaphat gets to the battlefield. And everybody's laying around dead. Because as they marched to war, they were praising God. They were not, Jehoshaphat said, we're not, we're not equipped to fight this battle. They're too large. They're too strong. They will destroy us. God, we don't have the answers, but we know that you do. And so we're going to keep our eyes on you. And they started singing and praising God. And as they got to the battlefield, everything had been decimated. The Bible tells us that it took them three days, three days to gather up all the spoils of war. They didn't even lift a finger. And yet they gather all these spoils of war. And then they go back on the fourth day. They actually get all the spoils in three days. They go back on the fourth day. And on the fourth day, they celebrate and they worship God. And they name the place the Valley of Barakah. In English, the translation is that it's known as the valley. Are you ready for it? The valley of praise. Some of us need to dwell in a valley of praise. Quit fighting things that we have no business fighting. Quit getting upset about things we have no business getting upset. And just put our eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you even if I'm in the midst of a valley. Prayer and worship and ultimately praise was a weapon that they used during this time to see the power of God's mighty acts and his excellent greatness unleashed on their enemies. Look at verse number three through five. This indicates how we should praise the Lord. I love it and some of you are going to get uncomfortable, but here's what it says. It says we ought to praise him with the sound or the blast of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp, speaking of wind and string instruments. Praise him with the timbrel, the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high cymbals. One thing that's certain from verse number three is that, listen, that our praise offered at times is going to be loud and energetic and at other times it's going to be soft and sweet. You know, we did that today. I had no clue that it was going to work out that way. We started loud and energetic and then we sang that beautiful soft and sweet song that Pam sang about all the praise, all the praise. I had no idea going to Jesus. Loud, energetic, soft and sweet. 
Verse number three, it mentions the trumpet, speaking of the shofar, the ram's horn. By the way, this was the greatest instrument in, in Jewish uh, history there. And the shofar could be heard from great distances away. You didn't have to be in the same room to hear the shofar, so to speak. And in the Old Testament, the sound of the trumpet would have been used to signal significant events, solemn events, things like the giving of the law, the proclamation of Jubilee, coronation of kings, and even going to war. And I got news for you. One day, as we sang, and it is well with my soul, one day that trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to return. Some of you say, I don't like sound the trumpet. It's a little loud. I got news for you. One day it's going to sound and there's going to come the Savior. Break that eastern sky. What a day that's going to be. Oh, listen, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. When I get carried away, I'm going to get carried away. Y'all sound like you might get excited. I don't know how to take that. Look at verse 3 again. It takes us from the explosive expression of the trumpet to the soft sound of strings. The reality is the psalmist is saying, here's the deal. It doesn't matter whether our praise of God, musical praise, worship, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter whether it's loud and energetic or soft and sweet. The reality of the psalmist's statement in verse number 3 is that you and I should never be ashamed to worship our God. The moment you start doing this, uh, Chuck's not, he doesn't like this, so I'm not going to sing. No, that's the moment we got a problem. You know what? Can I be real transparent with you? I don't like every song that we ever sing. (gasps) Newsflash. And you know what? I still can worship the Lord because it ain't about me. You know, I I often share, I didn't even have this on a slide, so they can't even do it. I often share four rules of service for the Lord, right? It's be positive, squash negativity, be flexible, and remember it's not about me. It doesn't matter whether I like the song all the time. I can still praise and worship God. Amen? Oh, listen, if it's good, if it's biblical, we can worship the Lord. Verse number four, look at verse number four. got to move on. It begins by telling us to praise him with the timbrel and the dance. By the way, this is a reminder of when God brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea. You remember back in Exodus chapter 15, they immediately come through and Moses, he gets all the tribes together. They start singing. They start singing unto the Lord. And by the time you get down to verse number 20 and 21, uh, old Miriam gets into the act. In fact, I've shared this before, but in verse 20, here's what it says. Miriam took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them and said, Sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. This form of praise was joyous and jubilant and expressive. Not only were the hands involved, not only were the feet involved, but the whole body was involved. Now that's going to make you nervous, but that's what took place. Some of you are like, uh, you know this is a Baptist church. Yeah, you want to know what? We need to get over being Baptist and be more like Jesus. 
I'm Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my foot, but guess what? Baptist ain't getting me to heaven. Jesus is. So we ought, to, we ought to get excited when we see what God did in His Word. And guess what? It's okay. Now listen, I know y'all want to see me do a little twirl, but I got one foot right now, so I'm not going to do it. There's times in our life, can I be honest with you? There have been times in my wife and I's life you just feel like dancing for the joy of the Lord. I'll just be honest, man. God's brought us through some things. It's times of dancing. I remember in 2012, and they cut me open. And my wife knows. I had given her instructions to tell the doctor that if they came out and told her that they were going to have to do a certain thing in this procedure, I told her, and she's honest, she'll tell you. I told her, I said, you tell the doctor to let me die. Because I, 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 in my mind, had said, I don't want to live this certain way. And so I had basically, before surgery, told my wife, listen, if this is what the doctors come out of this surgery, and they've got me wide open, I said, you tell them to let me go. Let me go with, be with Jesus. And her answer was, I will not do such a thing. <laughs> I was like, eh, 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 eh. Right? And I can't explain it, guys. I can't explain it to you other than to say this. When I woke up, I had a bandage from here to here. And I was still, you know, a little out of it. And they had moved me to the room by this point. And I don't know, I probably slept for a day. I mean, if you know me, you know I'm a weakling when it comes to any pain medicine. And, and she was in the room. She was sitting in the room. And I started doing this. I'm shaking. And I'm feeling, and I'm like, what the heck? Did I have open heart surgery? You know, I, I'm like, what happened? And she says, you're okay. You don't have what you're concerned about. You, they didn't have to do that. And, and I'll not get into it, but they didn't have to do that. And in that moment, tears started coming to my eyes. And you say, why? I was praising God. I was praising God that he had brought me through that valley and I was going to get up and I was going to start to climb up the mountain. Now that mountain took a few months for me to get up there. But listen, there are times that God will bring you through in your life. Moms, dads, young people, he's going to bring you through the storms and all you can do is stand up and shout. Stand up and feel like dancing. It's okay as long as you're doing it for the Lord. All that other craziness, that's up to you. Choices, choices, right? Y'all got to make those choices, man. I just see it in Scripture. And I'm thinking, how beautiful was Exodus 15? Think about it. Pharaoh and the armies after him. And I, I saw this post the other day. God didn't just, just didn't, didn't move the Red Sea. He just parted it. He said, guess what? There's a wall there. There's a wall there. Now go through on dry ground. And then they went through on dry ground, about two million of them. And they get to the others. Can you imagine how long it takes two million people to get through the Red Sea? And then they get on the other side and they look back and here comes Pharaoh and the army. Whoosh. I don't know about you, but if somebody's hot on my tail and the Red Sea closes up on them, I probably feel like dancing too. It's been said that 
if men are dull in their worship of the Lord our God, they are not acting consistently with the character of their faith. In other words, our worship should never be dull or mundane. Truth be told, God has done more than enough to justify the highest degree of praise and joyous delight in each and every one of us. I was talking to my brother last night and I said this. I said, you know, sadly though, we have been stifled. We have allowed the traditions of men and women to stifle us in worship. We see somebody raise their hand. We're like, whoa, that's one of these churches. Ooh. We, we see, listen, I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I was wrong. I'll be honest with you. My girl, G-U-R, my love of my life, Krista, you know, she starts praising. She starts going. As a pastor, I'm like, hey, you need to calm down, girl. I'm like, hey, you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to slow it down. She's like, she's like, she's like doing this. I'm like, listen, girl, you need to slow it down. And all the while, and all the while, she was teaching me something. Because sometimes I think we stifle our worship because we're afraid of what this one, that one, or the other will think. Instead of, watch this, instead of what he thinks. Now, if you come in and you're like, just to make a spectacle, that's not worship. That's not worship. But if you feel moved by the Holy Spirit of God to worship him and your body moves, guess what? I'm not going to condemn you for that, lest I should even try. Look at verse number five. It pumps up the volume, so to speak. It says, praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. This verse is actually teaching us to ensure that the clash of the loudest music is reserved for the one whom the loudest music should be reserved for. Who likes to listen to loud music? Turn it up. So yesterday I had a wedding out in Front Royal. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had it on the 70s channel. And on came the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> Music started. It was like... I turned it up. I turned it up. And all of a sudden, I had that thing up at about 20, and I looked over at Kristen, and I was like... <laughs> and then I knew better, and I turned it back down. <laughs> That's what marriage after 31 years knows. Okay, turn it back down. <laughs> you know, I think the loudest celebration of praise ought to be reserved for God. It's okay. It's okay. It won't, bother, it, it, it won't hurt you. The loudest clash. By the way, do you know who played the cymbals in the Old Testament? Anybody know? It was reserved for the priests and the Levites. They were, they were, you know, the scribes and the priests and the Levites, they were the ones that literally played the cymbals in religious service. They would come in and, and man, they were like, hey, give me the cymbal. And dang, 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 they're clashing the cymbals. That was their job in worship. In fact, Nehemiah 12, 27 says that they sought the Levites out of their places to bring them to Jerusalem. This is when they're getting ready to rededicate the rebuilt wall of Jerusalem. And notice what it says. In order to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and with singing, watch it, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. 
And the phrase, the idea here, the idea of in verse number five, to praise him upon the high sounding cymbals is literally this idea of clamor or the acclamation of joy or a battle cry. And so when we sound the cymbal, we're showing how joyful we are. And maybe we're on going out onto the battlefield, getting ready to leave this place and go out for the next few days into the battlefield of Northern Virginia. But the idea of a high sounding cymbal is the idea that we are expressing our great joy to God. So whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, I encourage you to praise the Lord. Verse number six concludes, it says, who should praise the Lord? It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. In other words, let all who breathe praise him. Not just the priests or the Levites, the congregation, but all living creatures should praise the Lord. You remember when Jesus was in her in Jerusalem and they said, hey, the, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus. They're like, bro, you need, to, you need to quiet your friends down. They're a little bit loud. You remember what Jesus told them? He says, if I tell these ones to be quiet, to quiet, the rocks would cry out. So you can either get used to the praise of the people or you're going to start hearing the rocks start singing out some praise. Oh, listen, everything that has breath ought to be praising him. His name is composed, as we learned Wednesday night, of the breathings. God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Talking about this idea of Yahweh and his, his uh, authority and power to breathe life into us. And since he has given us life, we ought to give some glory back to him. The psalmist begins and ends his song with the same word. Praise ye the Lord. In other words, hallelujah. He begins with hallelujah and he ends with hallelujah. And so I just put down as I close, we're to praise him everywhere. We're to praise him because of his mighty acts and excellent greatness. We're to praise him in all types of instruments. And sometimes you might even shake a little leg to praise him. We're to praise him. By the way, it's not just about music. We're to praise him in how we live. Right? You say, well, I don't feel like singing. You can still praise him for how you live today. You say, man, I'm going through something and I'm not really in a joyous mood. Can I tell you? The Lord should be your joy. Happiness True happiness is not going to be found in your paycheck or your job or your family even. True happiness will be found in your worth and your value as a child of the Creator. Oh, listen, celebrate Him. Listen, you can praise Him today as you live, as you have your being, as you move, and as you uh, talk to people and influence people. It's not just about the musical opportunity to praise, but it's the opportunity that we have to live our lives in total commitment to Him. And so I simply say and encourage you to praise the Lord. Now, here's the reality. Not everyone's doing it. Not everyone's doing it on a regular basis. And here's another thing I would suggest. You only praise that which you value or prize, as we learned from the Hebrew words. So if you do not value or prize God, you're not going to praise Him in how you live. You're not going to praise Him in how you worship. The reality is the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And so unless you enter into the greatest relationship, that intimate relationship with God through His Son Jesus, 
That's when you'll begin to understand what praise is all about. When you'll be able to look and say, man, not only did God create us, but God has supplied a payment for the sin of the world. Nobody had to convince me that I'm a sinner. My wife didn't have to convince me. I already knew that. But the beautiful thing is that God already had a plan figured out long before Krista or I ever came along. Isn't that good? He already had a way. He had already made a way to take care of it. And so if you haven't trusted Christ, can I tell you that Jesus loves you? That he loved you so much. God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to, to, to die and, and be separated from him for all eternity, but that you could cast your care on him, that you could put your faith and trust in him. And so I encourage you, if you're here and you've never done that, and you said, man, I'm not understanding this idea of praise, you'll never really understand it until you know him. And once you know him and you start valuing him, and prizing him, that relationship you have with him, then you'll be able to adequately praise him. By the way, I'm not sure we adequately ever do anything. We can always do better, amen? And so let us praise the Lord. Where, why, how, and who, I think it's evident. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder from the songs that we've sung today. In your holy word, God, that we ought to be people of praise. God, open up, open up our, our voices that we might sing. Open up our understanding that we might know how to worship you. We might know and understand how to live for you and to bring you the honor that you so richly deserve. God, help us not to be encumbered by, by what this one or that one or somebody else thinks. But God, help us to worship you for all that you have done, your mighty acts, your excellent greatness, and on and on. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for the gift of Jesus. I thank you for the gift of forgiveness. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that has never asked you for that great gift of forgiveness, God, that they'll just simply ask you. They'll just ask you, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. Begin to change me from the inside out. That that would be a conscious, personal decision as your Holy Spirit leads them today. God, we love you and we thank you and praise you for the opportunity you've given us to worship you in this place. God, I pray that you'd be pleased with this time of invitation. God, as we open up an altar for people to praise you, for people to pray to you, whatever they need to do, God, that they would not feel hindered, but God, that they would feel free to come and worship you as you delight in us. Father, we love you and praise you for all things, and we do it in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Would you stand?